This podcast is dedicated to Edmonton True Crime. This is episode 10, part 2. When investigative journalist and McEwen University professor Steve Lebuin set out to write a book about the Dexter-obsessed murderer Mark Twitchell in late 2010, the last thing he expected was to get a jailhouse call from the killer himself. He just said straight out, if you're going to be writing a book about me, you might as well come straight to the source. A stunned Lilibuen tells 48 hours. That call set in motion a correspondence with the would-be serial killer that lasted for almost three years. Now, 48 contributor Troy Roberts reports on these letters and gets a revealing look at what the retired FBI criminal profiler believes motivated Mark Twitchell in the Dexter Killer. He wrote me probably 30 or 35 different letters, up to 350 pages, like an entire book's worth. Lilibuin, the author of The Devil's Cinema, the untold story behind Mark Twitchell's kill room, tells 48 hours. He's very self-aware, and he has this sort of this obsessive-compulsive nature and wants to write everything down. I'd ask him one question, and I'd get 10 pages back as an answer. While outwardly unimposing, his writings were dark. They revealed his fascination with the fictional character Dexter Morgan, an obsession that Lilibuen and police say Twitchell carried over into his real-life crimes. If you look at the evidence, Lilibuen tells Roberts, there's significant links to Dexter. He had a kill room set up with plastic sheeting. He had a table set up for his victim. He had this kind of processing kit that was very similar to what Dexter uses. After his arrest on Halloween Day in 2008, police recovered a deleted file on Twitchell's computer called SK Confessions. While the filmmaker claimed this document was a screenplay, prosecutors successfully argued that SK stood for serial killer and that the document was actually Twitchell detailing his crimes. In it, he writes, I diligently set up my kill room, explaining how it included several rolls of painter's plastic sheeting, and a 45-gallon steel drum for the body parts, as well as a game processing kit, which contained a butcher knife, a fillet knife, and a serrated saw for the bones. All of these are items the police would later discover at the crime scene, and while Twitchell claims in this document that he didn't copycat the style of Dexter Morgan, he adds, I'd still like to pay homage to the character. And yet, in a letter to Lilibuen, Twitchell writes, As you are aware, Dexter is almost nothing to do with my case. It has no bearing whatsoever on what happened. Lilibuen tells Roberts, No one is saying the people who created Dexter are to blame for the real-life death. That's ridiculous. But Lilibuen says Twitchell completely denies that there are any connection at all, adding, There is a logical disconnect there. In his letters, the convicted killer also claims that he killed Johnny Altinger not in the act of cold-blooded murder, but in self-defense. At the time of his arrest, Twitchell had been working on a film called House of Cards, in which an unsuspecting man gets lured into the garage and killed. The plan, Twitchell argued in court, was to lure men who thought they were showing up for a date with a woman 
and then attacked them only to let them escape so that when the film came out those men would come forward and say this has actually happened to them thereby creating a buzz at his trial twitchell claimed altinger became enraged at being tricked and attacked him it was a premise as fictional as johnny altinger's murder was real and one the jury didn't buy Three months after his conviction in 2011 for first-degree murder, Twitchell made the same argument to Lula Buen, writing, I killed Johnny Altinger in a horrific accident of self-defense. Why did he have to react? Why couldn't he just storm off like he was supposed to? According to Lula Buen, he's still pushing the narrative that he blames Johnny Altinger for what happened. Lula Buen tells 48 Hours that Twitchell is still trying to argue that he is innocent, and to be frank, I think he's wrong. The thing I find interesting about Mark Twitchell is that he may know that he hasn't fooled people regarding the fact that he killed Johnny, says retired FBI criminal profiler Julia Cowley. What he thinks he's fooled everyone is the reason, the true reasons he killed Johnny. Cowley believes that those reasons lie in Twitchell's own writing, particularly in the SK Confessions and the letter the serial killer sent to Steve Lewin, which she analyzed for 48 hours. I think his primary motive was sexual, Cowley tells 48 hours. If we look at the case as a whole, what does he do? He goes on to online dating websites. He lures men who think they are going to be arriving for a date. It's almost as if Mark Twitchell is also preparing for a date. He talks extensively about preparing the room, what he's going to wear, the weapon that he chooses. He describes it in a seductive language. To make our point, Cowley read from Twitchell's SK Confessions. I wanted the weapon used for the deed itself to be simple, elegant, and beautiful. Cowley says, so to him, this is a date. This is something he's been fantasizing about. She argues that for Twitchell, this is also a thrill killing. She adds, I don't think he thinks anything is wrong with him. I think he's self-aware and understands I don't have empathy or sympathy like other people. In a letter from July 2011, Twitchell writes to Lilibuen trying to explain himself. There is no root cause no school bully or impressionably gory movies or video game violence or Showtime television series to point the finger at. It is what it is, and I am what I am. In another exchange, Twitchell expressed dismay over the outrage his case has caused. He complains, I find the whole thing highly hypocritical. There's something obtuse about someone taking a savage glee in watching psychotics brutally murder dozens of people on TV and then suddenly playing as though their stomach is turning inside out when this happens under totally unique circumstances in real life isolated incident. In another letter to Lilibuen in which he expounds on Dexter's character and mass appeal, Twitchell writes, Dexter, don't forget, is a monster, a self-aware one, no less. Some would argue that the same could be said of Twitchell himself. Please note, there is no internet access on any provincial or federal prison in Canada. Welcome to Canadian Inmates Connect Incorporated, a website dedicated to Canadian inmates service 
sentences in federal institutions in Canada. Through this site, we plan to attract pen pals from across Canada and essentially the world who would be willing to write to an inmate. Whether it be poor choices, in the wrong place at the wrong time, or lifestyle, it doesn't matter. Inmates are people too. Unfortunately, over time, they are forgotten about by family and friends who were once there for them. Contact with the outside world is lost. Being incarcerated brings a loss of dignity, self-worth, and independence, just to name a few. They become robots living in an institutional schedule. Prison is far from being the club fed that it has been made out to be. Consider doing a random act of kindness and get to know an inmate through letters. Consider taking a few minutes to write a letter or send a card. It's something simple like this that could lift their spirits and brighten their day. Feel free to browse through our inmate list and become a pen pal. In his profile on Canadian Inmate Connect, Mark Twitchell writes, I was tentative about reaching out because I thought I couldn't offer much and doubted anyone could look past my reputation to see the human being. But trying is definitely worthwhile if it means finding just one meaningful, mutual, fulfilling friendship. My crime doesn't define who I am or represent me at all. I made some terrible, regrettable choices in the past and have come to terms with the consequences. Now I seek to infuse purpose in my life. Connection is a big part of that. My creative engine never slows, so I produce artwork constantly and craft novels or screenplays to manifest my relentless imagination. I'm insightful, passionate, and philosophical with a great sense of humor. I enjoy tennis, chess, and clever storytelling. I love the rain and the music of artists like Sia, Jackie Avancho, and Arcade Fire. I'm looking for an interesting, intelligent, open-minded, delightfully imperfect woman to relate to and share amusing observations with, as well as potentially a long weekend every few months if it gets there naturally. Twitchell was sentenced to life in prison and is incarcerated in Saskatchewan Penitentiary near Prince Albert. I don't exclude anyone from joining depending on their crimes. I just don't do that, said Melissa Fazina, who started the website. I'd seen how popular this was in the United States, this kind of concept, and I realized there was nothing like this for inmates here in Canada, she said. Not everyone ha is in the favor of the website, however. We have the website facilitating the access of psychopaths to the general public, said Staff Sergeant Bill Clark, one of the original investigators on Twitchell's case. Let's face it, with Mark Twitchell, we've got a narcissistic psychopath, and I'm sure he'll be able to fool some woman into writing to him who will fall deeply in, and madly in love with him. The guy's a pathological liar. He's going to say whatever he needs to to suck any woman in that he wants to correspond with. Fazina charges inmates $35 a year to keep their profiles on the website. There is no cost to those wanting to correspond with criminals. She decided to keep it going despite the lack of profits. It didn't take me very long to realize that there was no money to be made. I see the good that it's doing, especially for these inmates. It's life-changing for a lot of these guys, she said. It helps them while in prison, but also helps those that are coming out to have relationships and friendships and some contact support from the outside world. Rob Jones said it made a big difference for him while he was incarcerated. 
He's now on parole and living in Calgary where he runs a transport and snow removal business. He set up a profile while serving time in Saskatchewan for selling drugs. I heard from two or three people and I met really, really nice lady there, said Jones, who has been in a romantic relationship with a woman since his release in June. It took my mind off all the negative stuff that's in prisons, just focus on getting out and getting back to society and being a normal human being again. It kind of brings the humanity into things. Jones sees no issue with those convicted of more serious crimes using the website. In fact, he believes it reduces potential risk after their release. I think it's actually better for the public because it kind of prepares a guy for getting out, having a relationship and taking on some responsibilities. Bazina's website includes a disclaimer so she isn't accountable should anything go wrong. It also advises people not to send money to inmates. There are risks as well with any social media site, Fazina said. I'm just providing a platform for people to communicate through pen and paper, she said. Whether somebody chooses to meet in person, that's a different thing. Inmates in Canada have no access to the internet so must rely on old-fashioned correspondence, pen and paper, to communicate. Almost all include with their profiles at least one photo of themselves and most appear to be taken in prison. There are currently more than 30 inmates in Alberta with the profiles on site, and that's more than any other province. By far, actually, since day one, Alberta has been the most popular, said Fazina. I'm not sure for what the reason that is. I've always had a lot of inmates join from BC area and Edmonton. Each profile includes the inmate's name, age, where the person is incarcerated, and the conviction. Most are serving time for murder, assault, and armed robbery. Narcissistic Psychopath Staff Sergeant Bill Clark scoffs at Twitchell's plans for long weekends that are included in his dating site profile. I don't know what the rules are up in Prince Albert Penitentiary where he's currently housed, but I guess he must be expecting that since he's a model prisoner he's going to get some conjugal visits, said Clark. Kind of surprising, but I guess people have to be hopeful even when they're in jail. Clark believes inmate dating websites put the public at risk. Unfortunately, we have some vulnerable, gullible people out there who think these people can be changed and can be rehabilitated, and they're the ones that can do it. Said Clark, we often see that something ends up happening to them. I don't see any good that can come from it. Thanks for listening. This is part of the ACAST Production Network.